Welcome to Travel Talk with T. In this time of disconnection, we at PredictX want to stay as connected as possible. This is why we are inviting key innovators from the business travel industry to have virtual tea with us and to share what they've been up to while travel has been paused. This week, we're speaking to Bob Summers from Delta Airlines, who has just celebrated 37 years at Delta and is a key player in the aviation industry. I've known Bob for many years, and the things I admire most are his passion for this industry, his innovative approach, and his ability of which to connect to everyone, but most of all, his great sense of humor. We will be discussing the three phases of response to COVID, as well as Delta's priorities and safety initiatives. First and foremost, I wanna formally thank you so much, my dear friend, uh, for joining PredictX on this Tea Time. Uh, we are wanting to talk to our customers and our shared suppliers um, about all things around COVID and the, the return to travel, you know? Thank you, pleased to do it. So secondly, um, you know, I did challenge you a little bit when it came to the official Tea Time. Yep. Now, my mug, just so you know, in honor of the beach is all oysters and it and it says um literally the world is your oyster so in honor of you and well, delta I, I did my oyster cup well thank you that's cool i have mine if you can read it mine says i'm trying to be awesome today but i'm exhausted from being so freaking awesome yesterday <laughs> so it, rem it reminds me in this day and time that you have to be awesome every day uh regardless of your situation that's around you and I have a bunch of other ones, but half of my coffee mugs are not clean to share in public, so I couldn't uh, I couldn't share them with you. But it's the best I could do on short notice. Yeah. So let's talk about your priorities. Um, I know they've shifted um, pretty dramatically um, yeah. since all this started. What are your top three priorities right now, Bob? Yeah. You know, it's when this started, and I, I think back, it's so amazing how fast this escalated and the, how fast it went from point A to one point B, I always use mile markers for me. And uh, when this started early March, frankly, I mean, you think about China was when it started in Wuhan. Right. And then I remember distinctly talking to our customers about not to worry, we're going to move our planes out of Asia, we're going to move them into to the transatlantic. Uh, so we pulled all of our planes out, that was supposed to be a comfort level. And now, you know, within two weeks after that, it wasn't just an Asia situation, it was a global pandemic. And it moved so quickly. So what we had to do is set up shop immediately. Our playbook was centered around three things, safety and cleanliness, cash preservation, and building for the future. Those are the three things that our CEO put out very early so that we could all build around it. We have a flight plan that's out the window that was thrown out because it's revenue-based, it's market-based, it's NPS-based. A lot of those things were still important, but that's not wasn't the priority. So if you think about safety, security, and being clean, that became overnight the most important thing you could do. Uh, and so that's why you saw we did our first video on March 5th and it was and it was a five part It was a video with talking about five parts. We had no idea what was coming We just knew that we thought safety and cleanliness was going to be a differentiator and we we're gonna to have to build confidence in our employees So we did things like you know, just the new the word the focus that we put out there and by the way internally and externally our employees safety and our employees uh, well-being was as important if not more important because without their safety they can't take care of our customers whatever was gonna happen. So obviously that was where we built that. And the external part 
about safety and cleanliness was more about building consumer confidence. That was the key and, and making sure that, that we were on top of it. Our surveys, we did, we've done multiple surveys, I know you have with your customers. Uh, our surveys indicated in uh, over 2,000 corporations and travel management companies, within the first month, 75% of our customers were concerned with the environment on the airplane and 65% of them were concerned with social distancing. So there's our roadmap for what we needed to focus on. So if you think about the environment on the airplane, we immediately started fogging. We were the first airline. Foggy, you can't use fogging anymore because it has a negative connotation. Electrostatic spraying is what it's called now. Okay. Um, so I can I remember fogging a lot better, trust me. But we, we had been always fogging our international aircraft. But what we, what we did now is we were following, fogging every inbound aircraft. Now, if you fast forward to today, Maria, every aircraft, albeit we're about 20% of what we were a year ago, every aircraft is fogged on, before, on arrival and before departure. We are repurposing our employees and our protocols to, to clean. And that means sanitizing. That means air quality. One of the things I, I never thought I'd be an expert on HEPA filters or, or air quality, but we are. We are, we are now learning about through the medical experts that are on staff with Delta helping us understand why that's a differentiator and why people need to feel comfortable about that. Um, so, you know, and then Purell and all over the airports, uh, I, I'd say the wipes and uh, that, we, that we have everywhere. Uh, and then, if you, so, so that's the cleanliness portion of it. And, it's, and I think one thing we'll get to in a, in, as we talk, it's what we're doing at Delta is important, but what customers are saying is I'm good with Delta. I'm worried about the ecosystem. I'm worried about TSA. I'm worried about airports. On it. So we, we work with them as well to take our, we're putting, we have 150 people right now in TSA that are Delta employees that are helping them with masks and gloves on, wiping down the, the tubs so that, because that was an area of concern of our, our customers. And then the second part of social distancing, I think was really critical for us because that's, those are two words that we haven't used in as a country and as a world ever, to my knowledge. I don't even know what it meant when it first came out. Uh, other than close talking on Seinfeld, that's the closest I ever got to it. Uh, but if you think about the social distancing, how that has manifested itself in what we do, we, we started right away. We blocked the middle seat. We're the first airline to block middle seats. And we will not unblock those until September 30th. That's, we've been very clear about that. First airline to load from the back to the front to make sure that we could ensure social distancing and space and have spatial uh, space between seats for people. Uh, we, we, we did that. And most recently, the 60, 50% uh, cap on first class travel or uh, capacity, 60% cap on, on uh, coach class capacity. I think that was really key as it relates to putting your, putting your money where your mouth is and saying, we are, it's impossible. We're going to deny boarding if we get to 60% in coach and we have five people that show up. We will deny that boarding and we'll move them to another flight. Or if we see a, a flight that's 60% running, you know, people say, how long can you continue that? We have a lot of airplanes sitting around. So we're moving extra sections and we're updating air, aircraft. And that was the last thing. The masks and sanitation were the two things that customers said you have to do. We were, we were second airline in full transparency to go 100% to go mandatory masks for our customers. And we are not letting our customers on it. There's a lot of conjecture out there about are you pushing it? They will not get on the airplane without a mask. Second, cash preservation is really, we, we had to stay, we want to stay in a business. It was unprecedented what was happening, how fast it happened. And like we talked about, the decline was much worse. You know, if you think about 
February 14th, we were handing out $1.6 billion worth of profit sharing checks. Three weeks later, we were burning $100 million in cash a day. So that's how fast that happened. And that window right there about how quickly it happened. And so we're just trying to cash preservation about staying in business for your employees and your customers. And obviously that leads to the, to the questions like, what are we gonna be when we come back? The culture, I mean, the uh, building for the future, uh, we will be changed for a long time. Delta will not be the same when we come out of this as we were six months, eight months ago. This industry won't be the same. We have publicly said, our CEO said it'll be two to three years before we see the demand uh, that we saw a year ago or the last three, four years. We'll be a smaller airline. Our domestic international footprint will be different. Uh, so how, are we, how can we build for the future to be sustainable and built for this, this storm that we're all going to have to weather? And then uh, obviously you, you hit on it first. The other thing that we've been focused on is, uh, is the culture of Delta and how we use that as a, as a differentiator. How do, how do we use that as a differentiator? We believe our people are our biggest differentiator and using our people to help through this pandemic and through this uh, situation that we're dealing with was going to be paramount. And we talked about some of the things we're doing there. So, yeah. So those are three focuses. Yeah. So speaking of travel differently, what do you think will be some of the corporate travel? What are you hearing from those 2000 plus customers that you're talking to um, of how do you think um, corporate travel is going to change? Do you think there'll be behavioral shifts? Do you think there'll certainly, um, you know, the pace is unpredictable to a degree, but uh, if you have your Houdini hat, what do you think that's going to shift? Yeah, it's interesting. The best way to, I, I don't know the answer because that's obviously that's what we all are trying to, to forecast. I think leisure will come back first. It already, we already seen the precursors of that. Markets where people have, you know, beaches, mountain ranges, mountain states where people know that I can, I can be yes, 100, 100 yards away from people, much less six feet. That is already booking up now. We're seeing those start to book up. Uh, and certainly the same thing with you know, with uh, the Caribbean and some of the marketplaces. So leisure, we think leisure will come back first. We think business will travel with essential business, essential travel coming first. Uh, and probably the cities, the big city travel, the New Yorks, the Bostons, LA's, Atlanta's, you name it, that will be, a, will, will lag behind it. And last but not least, domestic will come back first. It already is coming back first. International will lag as well as we wait for some of these, these international restrictions and countries to open up. So the one thing I could tell you, Maria, is every I, I, if you if we have this conversation tomorrow, what I just said might change because it's that fluid. Uh, but I think generally we're wrapping our head around that's the that's the kind of the blueprint that we think corporate America will come back to work. I can tell you what's going on now as it relates to what we've been doing, and I'm listening to our customers surveying. I'm on 20. First of all, I didn't know what Zoom was three months ago. Now I'm on 22 Zoom or web webcast or Microsoft Team calls. And by the way. We don't like this in the airline industry. We think this technology sucks because you need to be on airplanes not doing these. But your, your, to your immediate question, I think that's something that's gonna change. And you really, as we as an industry look at the, the way that people are communicating right now, uh, as travel comes back and there's, a bit, and there's an answer behind this point, is that forever I think it will change that people will use technology in, in much more than they did in the past. Uh, in, in, and all kidding aside, in environments like this, if you have 20 salespeople that were going to go to Paris, do you send 10 and have the other 10 join on a Zoom call? Or do you, you know, that's just reality. And thank, and to be honest with you, that's always been a concern of our business. There is a school of thought and a predominant school of thought that said, 
you still need to be face to face. You still need to get out and see them, see the world. But this technology that wasn't there five years ago when 9-11 hit, wasn't there five years ago in general, then the global reception 9-11, this option didn't exist. And it does now. And it's and we are we are looking at it as a as a definite impact to people coming back to travel. So that was the first point I think you put your head in the sand and say you don't think that this is going to have an impact on it. Yeah, very well said. So I know we talked about this. Um, you know, there are, to me, in my mind, there are three phases to this journey. The first one was crisis management. You know, where had the people gone uh, where they could be potentially infected? Where are they now and where were they going to go? And so uh, the first couple months, as you mentioned, well, it went fast. It was all in a crisis type of situation. So then as that kind of phased out, the next phase was asset management. So I think for the first time in history, the amount of canceled airline reservations, yeah. unprecedented to have that, that many assets in there that we actually then called them assets, you know, at that point. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had customers in the 20 million and above, um, you know, categories of, of assets to manage. And the third phase is recovery management. Um, so as we talk about uh, the, the asset management, can you talk a little bit about what Delta is doing to help their customers with the complexity of this? Because, you know, the customers were struggling and the beauty of PredictX, because we get 360 degree data, we see it from end to end. So when they've consolidated with us, it makes it a lot easier. We can do a whole entire reconciliation. We know when yep. an actual refund hits, you know, a card, et cetera. But um, it's, it's been challenging for a lot of companies, but can you talk about what Delta's done on this? Yeah, you know, it's really, it was one of the first things as a commercial organization, it was one of the first things we focused on to say it's really easy in the good times to say, you know, do no harm in you know, our big, big mantras, do no harm, easy to do business with and we have your back. That, that has to be your mantra in all times, not just in good times. It's easier to do in good times. So what we, what we decided early into is we were gonna live that and be a leading edge on that as well. So if you think about what we, what we realized very quickly was, number one, we have done over 2.2, I don't quote me on this number because it changes daily. We've done, I know we've done over $1.5 billion worth of refunds since this happened. Uh, we were for 11 weeks in a row, we were doing more refunds than we were ticket sales. And we had thousands, we had uh, reservation centers set up in the museums, uh, in, in group rooms and hotels because of social distancing and having our res agents and to be able to accommodate the number of initially changes, but most importantly cancellations. Uh, and so I think we were the first and obviously continue to be the only, as far as I know right now, the only one that offered the flexibility to use impacted COVID tickets. So the biggest thing we can do is say, do not worry about your ticket. The validity will be there. And we, we extended that through September 30th of 2022. That was the first thing we can do, which told people, all right, I don't have to worry about my tickets expiring. I don't have to worry about a corporate travel manager with a drawer full of well, the drawers. The drawers are old school. It tells you how long I've been doing this. And we're aging ourselves on that one because I, I know it does. <laughs> but, but they have millions and millions of dollars of unused tickets or tickets that have been canceled with credits or vouchers, if you will. So now September 22 is when when that's been, so those tickets, so I think that was the first thing we could do. Second thing we did, we, you know, we, we announced uh, multiple changes for tickets with travel exception policies. So, I mean, you know, obviously uh, in the corporate world, we have our own set of rules for corporate tickets. 
and we relaxed 99% of those guidelines so that corporations could use tickets, not just travelers like I referred to before. That was just not corporations. That was the 200 million people that fly us every year. We were going to, we did that for tickets. We also relaxed guidelines for corporate travel managers and, um, you know, things like unlimited name changes, things like, um, you know, the, the tickets. We were the first ones to offer um, the name change without any additional work. So we're, you know, an agency or a corporation or through Delta.com could make a name change without a penalty, without any kind of work. They didn't have to call in for us to do it. There was no waiver code, no call, no, you know, it's basically you do, whenever you want to fly, you just, you just make the name change. So I think those are a couple of things. Um, you know, when you think about contract of carriage, Maria, the, we're, we're, we've been following that since day one. And I think a lot of some companies and some airlines have been falling back on that versus following it. Uh, and so if a flight cancels, it says in the flight uh, contract of carriage, if a flight cancels and if there's no comparable schedule within 90 minutes uh, of the schedule, the flight that we canceled, then the customer has, has always been and continues to be eligible for a refund and we have refunded those tickets. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of, there's, I think if there's one thing that's more confusing, yeah, I've seen a lot of good data recently, you probably put it out yourself, comparing refund policies of the airlines yeah. versus, and there's a lot of difference there. And you, you almost have to have from MIT to navigate through it. We just want to be really simple. And then last, I'll tell you, one of the things I think is, is caused companies, corporations and airlines to get really creative, and we did too, is one of the things we're really proud of early into this process you know, and I'll, I'll call out Deloitte, one of our biggest customers in the world, who came to us and said, we have a lot of money in unused tickets. We would like to donate those tickets towards the medical relief fund. We know Delta that you're flying medical personnel for free. We know that's on your dime. We would like to take this hundreds, and I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of the tickets that you just referred to, and they took that and deposited into the to the funds of the states that we were working with on the medical side. So innovation and creativity and back to the single random acts of kindness, not for the wrong reason, but for the right reason, uh, but companies being innovative and creative on what are they gonna do with this? What I can tell you is that's a good problem to have and we'll be thankful when they wanna start spending those, putting those tickets back on us again. So the last thing we're gonna do is make it hard for them to do that. So it's a great question. It's something we are monitoring every day. We make changes every week to our policies to make sure that we that we keep keep to the axiom of do no harm and we have your back. Well, uh, that is impressive what you and Deloitte did um, on there and impressive what you're doing. You were standing out because yes, it is quite complex. Um, we have the matrix um, of sort to understand it and it's changing every day, which just adds to its complexities. So yeah. thank you for adding simplicity to yeah. where others have added complexities. So the last phase is recovery management and um, on there. So when I look at it, I look at it in two phases. Um, when we look at our shared customers, we've been meeting with our customers and say, how can we better help the suppliers prepare for this? What can we do? What insights can we gain? How can we have greater transparency than ever before, you know, and trusting in each other and sharing more information than ever before? So some of the things that, you know, I've talked to some of the suppliers about is I think people will start booking hotels before air, um, where historically it was air first. And I think one of the reasons is, well, twofold, um, to your point earlier, that uh, they may have to go into isolation for a while. And also, you know, there are 11,000 hotels um, closed at the moment. So finding okay. hotels is a little more challenging and it's, it's just going to be a different um, 
you know, booking and different challenge than ever before. I also think, um, so there could be great insights on that gained on what's having in a hotel where you used to be the leading indicator hotel yep. might be. The other thing is the group and meeting data, yep. you know, that we have access to along with hotel data. Um, but if you were to say, and, and the, we talked some about the consumer confidence data is to be able to layer in um, consumer confidence data into mining that into traveler demographics. You know, do the millennials have more confidence um, than baby boomers? Am I more germaphobic? Uh, road warriors more than infrequent traveler? Uh, an executive more than an entry level? You know, is uh, women more than men um, on there? Because, you know, women, we're much calmer anyway. You know that. We're better travelers. Not going to argue but, that. Can't argue that one. I got statistics. So yeah. uh, what's on your dream list as you look at recovery um, and we continue to work with our shared customers of what can we provide you a key supplier and key partner to help you better prepare for it. And as we continue the pace of recovery, I think you touch on a couple of things here are the questions that we are asking and we've got, as you know, we've got a consumer insights and analytics team at Delta that Very is pulling over all the information, things like government positioning data. What is the position of the governments and whether it be the countries, the, you know, when are they going to open back up? What is, what is the data associated with cities or which cities are opening up first? Georgia's already opened up in many respects, as you and I both know. Uh, what about states and when are they going to reopen? And then countries, when are they going to relax guidelines and protocols and quarantine restrictions? That data is really critical right now and looking for a resource. I think we're all looking for different resources for that, that, that empirical data on just when, is it, when are they going to open up? Because without that, nobody's going to travel anywhere. There's nowhere to go. I think that's important. I think individual corporate, corporate data, what we're getting a lot of through our own surveys, when are they coming back to travel? Individually, corporations, all over the boat. If I, if I told you I had 10 calls yesterday, every one of their answers is different. You know, anywhere from July to next year is what, what the answers are. So I think data surrounding that, which we're gathering ourselves through our own conversations, but industry data exists. You're, you are right on in terms of data that we as an airline are looking at, we as an industry, because the airline used to be a leading indicator for coming back or a leading indicator for the economy going sideways. In this scenario, hotels opening, restaurants opening, attractions opening, when Disney announced they were gonna open up Shanghai, when they announced what they're gonna do in Orlando, those are leading indicators now, not the airlines, because we will follow that. So I think that information, that's very critical data they were watching. And the same thing, I was, I'm on the CVB, the board of the Atlanta CVB. We had a call yesterday. What did we talk about? Conventions and large group meetings. When are they booking? How far are they booking out? What are they looking for in a booking destination? How important are, are the things going to be important again? Are conventions and meetings just shut down, you know, for the foreseeable future? Or will those be some of the first things that start coming back? And then last but not least, I think you nailed it. For us, what I were, I, I use this, I'll give you an example and then why it's important. 50% of my sellers have been with Delta 10 years or less. They have never been through anything but the great times of Delta. They have seen Delta Airlines lead in every economic indicator, financially, operationally. I've done all the right things. We're not perfect by any stretch of the means, but in my 36 years, we're back to what I expected us to be uh, while we continue to work to get better. But they have never seen any controversy. They've never seen a challenge. They've never seen Delta not uh, with a smile on our face as a company, if you will. 
they are seeing that now. And how is that, that going to manifest itself in the way that they do, do business? I answer that way because I tell you that's important to me. I'm arm repping. I've got a call every day with six, seven employees. And the first three weeks where I'm arm repping anybody that's 10 years or less, tell them it's going to be okay. Trust us. We got a plan. You know, I think that's the microcosm example of what the generational data is going to show us. The fear factor is the same for people like you and I as it is with millennials in terms of whether they want to get back and fly or not. But with the millennials, when they get back on an airplane one time, they're going to be good and they're going to start flying at a much rapper pace. That's what the data is showing us. But data that can answer that can help you understand the cross section and the and the divert and the the uh, diversity of the of the generational data. And you're not going to market just to, to millennials or just to Gen Zs or just to you know uh, baby boomers. But it will help you understand how important it's going to be for certain businesses and sectors and verticals, if you will, that are going to come back faster than others. In the case of Amazon, Facebook, and what have you. So I think all the things you named, it sounds like great minds think alike. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff that we're, we're looking for. Today, it's safer, safer and cleaner to fly in an airplane than it is to go to Kroger or Publix, no offense to those great stores, but no one thinks that and no one is acting on that. It's all perception. So what can we do as an industry to change the perception of customers and continue to work on their confidence and uh, credibility, credibility of us and their confidence to come back to travel and, and realize that this too shall pass. And that while we will be ever changed for the rest, I told my daughter, she graduated from college and now she's trying to look for a job. But I told her, I, I can't give you an advice as a dad or a business person, because this is unprecedented, corny word to be used. But, but I think we're changed forever. In many ways, it could be for the good. I think, I think in our business, in my business, the airplanes will never be cleaner, never be safer as it relates to the atmosphere of the airplane. And so that's a good thing. Uh, and it might take us two or three years to get back to what we want to, but it will forever be indelible on the expectation of customers that when I travel on you, I expect to be safe and clean. I expect to get there on time safely with my bags. That's number one. Number two, and now number one, is I expect not to put myself in harm's way by flying you or by using your product. I think as an industry, that's, that's forever change, and we're going to we're gonna have to face that and uh, act accordingly. Well, um, I want to say this, and certainly in our closing, is first and foremost, thank you for your time, and as always, your great insights. But I would tell you, I have all the confidence. I would get on a plane tomorrow. I have all the confidence in Delta, and I have all the confidence in the world in everything that you guys are doing. And I look forward to the day that we're sitting there talking about, you remember when? Yeah. You remember when um, this occurred and we're back to uh, the new normal. And this is what we talk about over drinks at the bar at the end of a long day at a convention. Yeah, I do too. I think uh, well, we all know that the most important thing I think for our industry, for all of us is we will be there. This too shall pass. We're gonna be okay. And I know there's so much going on in this world, it sounds trite to talk about just COVID-19. We know there's a lot of things going on in the world that are very upsetting and unsettling yeah. for all of us right now, but we're better than this and uh, we're, we're, we will be okay. <laughs>